Baltimore's ransomware blame game, some extreme but plausible cybersecurity threats to financial services, and open source security in responding at the speed of attack. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Ransomware continues to be a pervasive problem for municipalities. And as the attacks typically derive from fixable exploits, such as maintaining up-to-date patches, this leads to finger-pointing of who was responsible and therefore who owns the problem. The recent attack on the city of Baltimore is just one example. Here's ISMG's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz with the details. A report that the city of Baltimore was attacked using a vulnerability in Windows, originally discovered and stockpiled by American intelligence agencies, has triggered a blame game. On May 7th, the city of Baltimore was hit by crypto-locking ransomware called Robin Hood, followed by attackers demanding 13 bitcoins worth about $100,000. The city has vowed not to pay. In the meantime, numerous city services remain unavailable, including email, as well as the ability to pay water bills or obtain documentation necessary to conclude house sales. Hundreds of real estate transactions have reportedly been delayed. The Baltimore incident has given information security watchers cause to debate numerous questions, including culpability over finding and stockpiling zero days and exploits, as well as wider issues surrounding data breaches, leaks, software flaws, as well as patch speed. In particular, on Saturday, the New York Times reported that Baltimore's attackers had exploited a flaw in Windows that the city had failed to patch, despite a patch having been available for two years. The newspaper reports, without naming sources, that attackers targeted a flaw in version 1 of the Windows Server Message Block, or SMB, protocol to spread their ransomware. It's not clear whether that was the initial attack vector or if attackers gained access to a system and then used the SMB v1 flaw to move around inside the network. Debate over the Baltimore ransomware outbreak further intensified after the Times report appeared. Many information security experts suggested that the two seasoned reporters behind the story didn't know what they were talking about and demanded proof that attackers had in fact used SMB v1. The SMB v1 flaw isn't just any vulnerability. Specifically, it was discovered by the National Security Agency after nearly a year of research and used in multiple successful operations over a five-year period, the Times reports. It says the exploit was originally called Eternal Blue Screen because it so often crashed computers. In April 2017, however, a shadowy group called the Shadow Brokers leaked the exploit code, by now dubbed Eternal Blue. Before Shadow Brokers leaked the exploit, they'd already dumped some tools they'd stolen from what they were calling the Equation Group, which many security experts suspected, and US government officials later confirmed, was in fact the NSA. In early 2017, information released by the Shadow Brokers appears to have led the NSA to warn Microsoft about the SMB flaw that NSA operators had been exploiting via Eternal Blue. Microsoft canceled its February 2017 monthly patch release, and in March 2017, released fixes for the SMB v1 flaw for all supported Microsoft operating systems. Come May 2017, attackers behind the WannaCry outbreak were using Eternal Blue to spread, and Microsoft quickly also released patches for some unsupported operating systems, including Windows XP. So, two years later, 
Had Baltimore still failed to fix the SMB v1 flaw in the Windows systems being used by some of its 7,000 employees, the city did not respond to my request for comment. But if this is what happened, then Robert Graham, head of offensive security firm Errata Security, says the city's clearly at fault for not having gotten the patches in place. But he stresses that the SMB v1 exploit is just one tool in attacker's toolkit, and they'll use whatever works. So long as it works, they'll keep using it. In other words, don't fixate on the SMB v1 flaw having been found and used by the NSA. In fact, a report released by Symantec earlier this month says that Chinese intelligence operators appear to have also discovered the flaw before it was ever leaked by the shadow brokers. Some security watchers have said the Baltimore incident demonstrates why intelligence agencies should never stockpile exploits for flaws, but instead alert vendors immediately. That way, vendors can push patches to users who can install them and safeguard themselves. But Susan Hennessy, a senior fellow in national security at the Brookings Institution, who formerly served as an attorney for the NSA, says some exploits can be extremely useful for intelligence agencies. Further, the fact that some large organizations still apparently haven't patched flaws as serious as the SMB v1 flaw two years after patches were released highlights that having fewer bad flaws go public might not be a bad thing. In case it's not obvious, another takeaway here is that patch management can be extremely difficult, not least for large organizations with fewer resources. The Baltimore ransomware attack is just the latest apparent case of an organization or entity that suffered an online attack thanks, at least in part, to its systems not being fully updated. But Baltimore won't be the last. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Recently, Accenture published a report titled Future Cyber Threats, Extreme but Plausible Threat Scenarios in Financial Services. With such an intriguing title, I had a read of the report and followed up by reaching out to one of the authors, Valerie Arbend, Managing Director of Accenture Security. I asked Valerie if she could elaborate on what these extreme but plausible threats are. Here's Valerie to explain. When we put this report together, the the words extreme but plausible are actually a term of art in some ways by the financial regulators. Um, Financial regulatory authorities have been, um, through international working groups, uh, collaborating and came up with guidance, particularly for market infrastructures globally, uh, asking them to figure out a way to maintain their operations, which is really the critical infrastructure of the financial services sector against extreme but plausible situations. And so when I uh, step back and I think about um, not just you know, the, the kinds of threats that, that institutions face every single day, but how those threats have evolved and where they may be going, um, we really start to paint uh, a pretty dramatic change uh, in the pace with which these threats will evolve and how they will start to come together. And they really are around five key buckets. The first being credential and identity theft, something financial institutions have been dealing with for quite some time, but the rapid pace with which that theft is happening, the uh, quantity and the quality in which that uh, that identity theft is happening is just on a much more massive scale. Um, The second area is around data theft and manipulation. 
uh, something you know that we know has been out there uh, for quite some time, but the manipulation part was something that we've been really talking about for quite some time in financial services and is now starting to manifest uh, pretty clearly and is very concerning. The third area uh, is around disruptive and destructive malware. These are things uh, such as your previous po uh, podcast on WannaCry that we know are happening, but the scale and the pace and the directed focus of that is pretty concerning against financial services. Uh, and then the fourth area being emerging technologies, how, um, how the adversaries will start to go after various types uh, of emerging technologies like blockchain, cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, but also how they will leverage some of those emerging technologies to conduct their attacks. And then finally, I think the one that is really interesting is disinformation. Disinformation is something financial services have dealt with for as long as there's been uh, financial institutions, the idea that you could somehow move markets by putting out bad information. But the tools that adversaries have at their, um, uh, at their hands today for doing disinformation on a very wide scale um, is very concerning. Um, and I think a lot of folks today are thinking about disinformation as it relates to politics or you know, elections, but disinformation and those tactics that are used today in other venues being deployed against financial services could be pretty dramatic. Finally, ISMG hosts weekly roundtable discussions on information security topics with subject matter experts around the globe. The recent one of these in San Francisco ISMG's SVP of Editorial, Tom Field, discussed the topic of open source security, how to defend at the speed of attack, with Matt Howard, CMO of Sonotype, and a room full of security executives. After the event, Tom recorded an interview with Matt and started by asking him why the topic of open source security and responding at the speed of attack seems to resonate with organizations of all sizes and all sectors. Here's Matt's response. I mean, the main reason is because um, software is the last path to differentiation in, in every industry. And, and whether you know it or not, every business in the world today is largely a software company. And because software is so critical to how companies um, compete and win uh, on any playing field, um, the, uh, the, the, the demand for open source uh, has become... Um, you know, just tremendous. And open source is a, 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 an incredible value when you are able to leverage it to accelerate the pace of your software innovation and make your company more competitive. And, uh, and, and at the same time, I think companies now realize that, um, you know, open source isn't simply free. Um, there's, there's a hidden cost. Um, and, and if you get smart about how to leverage open source, you'll be able to achieve um, you know, the types of things that you want to achieve with respect to faster innovation, and you'll be able to avoid, um, you know, familiar mistakes with respect to like security risks, the type of which we saw recently at Equifax. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.